to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, let us turn uh, in our Bibles, a few Bibles, to page 626 for the reading of God's Word. 625. 625. Isaiah 66, verses 1 through 6. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? What is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like one who blesses an idol. These have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not listen, but they did what was evil in my eyes, and chose that in which I did not delight. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you and cast you out for my name's sake have said, Let the Lord be glorified, that we may see your joy. But it is they who shall be put to shame. The sound of an uproar from the city, a sound from the temple, the sound of the Lord rendering recompense to his enemies. Please turn to uh, page number 947 in your pew Bibles, 947, taking a break from Mark for this week, as you'll get a glimpse of what happens in Heidelberg Seminary. It's like you'll, you're my experiment here. This is what I'll be preaching to... Uh, Dr. Kerner here and the rest of the class here in a few weeks, so so you'll be able to let me know if I'm on the right track. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 2, this is a, a great transition section for the Apostle Paul in this fantastic theological masterpiece he, he has written to the church, and he's done with the deep theology for the most part. And now he's moving on to what does this look like when we put feet to the great doctrines of Christ. We'll start in uh, chapter 11, verses 33 through Romans 12 through 8 to give it a broader context. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, brethren, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless it to our hearts that it may glorify you and, and be useful in us as we go about our lives. Amen. So we have Paul, the great apostle, to the Gentiles here, former Pharisee, who is showing us that just as the Old Testament had a sacrificial system and an altar on which to present the sacrifice, that altar was, was there to show God the sacrifice. Christians have an altar, so to speak as Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. It's a different altar, as we'll find out. But there's a new sacrificial system in the New Testament. This not for our salvation, which was accomplished by Christ once and for all at the cross. I mean, he did say, it is finished. But this is a, a sacrifice of a different variety. And so, the Apostle Paul has given us a, a blueprint for a new, bloodless, sacrificial system. So, we, we see that, what is the, the reason for this? What is the necessity that we have this sacrifice? I mean, we, we have to look back earlier in Romans. We see that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3 gives us a long list there. None are good. None are righteous. None seek after God. Romans 5 explains how in Adam we are all sinners. Now that necessity for sacrifice was accomplished by Christ. Yet Paul says to us, I appeal to you therefore. I beseech you, sometimes it says, by the mercies of God. So Paul, in the strong a language as he can, ESV doesn't uh, give it the strength that it uh, uh, is necessary. He beseeches them to remember the great mercies of God that he was showing to them in chapters 1 through 11. How Christ came and, and saved us because we were unable, because Gentile and Jew in chapter 1 and 2 were shown to be without excuse for their sin. And in chapter 3, that was further explained, and then we're shown that, that Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And because of this, and because of the 
the sanctification that Paul writes about in, in chapters 7 and 8, and then God's inscrutable, unknowable purposes for the grafting in of the Gentiles into the family of God and His plan for the, for the Jews. All that is what he is referring back to. All these great works of Christ. And he's saying, yes, because of this, because of these amazing works of Christ, you need to come to the spiritual altar. You need to present your bodies your whole body and soul, the complete person, everything on that altar. Now in the Old Testament, we knew this was a very bloody sacrifice. And we also know that the nature of that sacrifice was the animal could only go once. Our sacrifice is a living sacrifice, a living spiritual submission to Christ. And this is what we are bringing to God. And this is necessary because uh, uh, as earlier in, in, in Romans, we, we have the issue that, you know, this is, if this is all of Christ, and this is all of Christ, even our submission on the altar of our bodies and soul is because Christ compels us. He compels our sacrifice. And this is necessary because people were, were saying to Paul, you know, if this grace is so wonderful, should we not sin that grace may abound? Chapter 6. And Paul carefully explains there that that's, you've got that upside down, friends. No, 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 no. Yeah, we, when we're under sin, that's what we do. That's, you know, we, we love to sin. We're not going against our nature. The old man, he, he loves his sin, every aspect of it, every type of sin. It's what we enjoy. When we are in the flesh. Now. You've been born again though. Now that Christ. Has given you life. You have a new nature. A nature unto righteousness. We are no longer slaves to sin like before. We are still slaves though. Our master is Christ though. And we are slaves to Christ unto righteousness. So we present our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice, not bloody like the previous sacrifices were. And we present ourselves at the altar, the spiritual altar that God sees us. And what does He see when He sees us? He sees Christ and His righteousness. 
So the nature of the sacrifice, once again, is uh, is not bloody. And it's not for salvation. It is spiritual. It is not bloody. And it is in response to all God has done for us. So this is a, a living, continual presentation of our lives for Christ. Done in the power of the Holy Spirit. We present our whole self, body and soul to God, daily dying to sin and self. It is continuous, it is consistent, it is commanded. Romans 6.13, Paul puts it like this, Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members, present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. We have a new nature. We have a new master. And for that reason, we present our whole lives to God daily. I mean, after all that Christ has done for us, this is our our holy obligation. Expressing our thankfulness as the Spirit leads us. The Heidelberg tells us that giving giving us heartfelt joy in God through Christ causes us to take delight in living according to the will of God in all good works. This thankfulness for God's redemptive salvation, His saving work is always the way God's covenant people have responded to Him from the very beginning. This is nothing nothing new. Even, even Abraham offered the, the lamb stuck in the thicket after God did his great work and, and, and saved Isaac. And Israel at Mount Sinai, I am the Lord your God who led you out of the land of Egypt, the land of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. I have called you and saved you as my people. This is how you live. But yet, let's turn to verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This Sacrifice, even, is a work of Christ. Ultimately, it is Christ who works in us to do His will. And as we see here, we're we're called at first to, to not be conformed to this world. We must resist the worldly lust and desires and the things that call us into sin because the world seeks to press us into its mold and to make us something different. Remember Lot. And we know Lot was a righteous man because Hebrews tells us so. Otherwise, we might not know that from what the Bible speaks about him. It's tough to figure that out on our own, but uh, Paul reassures us in Hebrews that, that Lot was a righteous man. Yet the world seemed to be forming and molding him as he went to Sodom and and 
just did all sorts of weird things. It's hard to understand. I can't wrap my brain around it, but Christ snatched him out of Sodom through his angels. It was a work of Christ that kept Lot from being completely consumed and molded by the world. And he was a righteous man. And we have the example of Joseph who was thrown into a pit and then taken by by Pharaoh's right-hand man. And, and he had to endure all sorts of temptations and persecutions in prison. And he was a godly man who refused to be pressed into the worldly system. Moses himself forsake the riches of Egypt for the cause of Christ, the reproach of Christ, it says. And we have the examples further on of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and many others. And these were these were men and these were people that refused to let the world just squeeze them. Because we know that's what the world wants to do. We know that we're not to love the world or the things in the world. Or the love of the Father is not in us, as, as the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 2.15. Peter says, Be holy, for I, for I am holy. That's to be separate from the world. Holiness is separation from, from the world unto God. And Peter there is echoing the words God gave to Moses. So we know we're, we're not to let the world do its work on us. And we know that that's, that's not easy. That's not easy at all. The world, what they will do is it will take a sin. And it will say, you know what? We know you guys, you Christians and whatever, you don't favor this sin, but it's not a big deal. Just tolerate it and let it go. They won't bug you, you won't bug them, and, and we give in. Sure, sounds good. And then they start to say, well, you know what? Let's put this sin all over... TV and in our pop culture and our music and, and let's just kind of normalize it. You know. And we see that and we understand that it's wrong but what can we do? And then they say you know what? Now that this sin is normal you guys don't seem to have a problem with it really. We're going to allow it to grow. And, and, and when there are ceremonies built around this sin, you better bake a cake for it. You better sing for it. You can't turn down appearing for this sin. And then that grows further to you better promote it. And if you speak against it, if you speak the word of God against that sin, you'll face real issues. And we see that in states in this nation, and we see that in Canada even, and other places that we would have considered 
uh, rooted in Christian tradition. Where people are fined for preaching the Word of God, thrown in jail, and maybe even thrown in prison for a longer stay because they dare to preach against sin as the world closes in and just tries to push its ways onto the Christian. We are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. We've got to fight the world system through the power of the Spirit as He leads us. And even in our personal lives, we we are pressured into sin. You know, we see our neighbor, our Christian brother or sister, they get a nice new something, and we look and, and we get jealous. I know I've done that before. And that's sin. That's me wanting what the world has. And saying to myself, man, that makes me mad. I don't rejoice with my brother as I should. But I allow the, the world idea, the world's idea of, of acceptance and prominence pollute my, my soul. So we must not let the world do this to us, to squeeze us into its, its evil mold. And we must see even more that uh, this is the work of Christ that turns us from the world unto Him. We are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We are to continually think upon the things of Christ. I mean, yes, we can't we can't stand in front of our our phones and read scripture every second of the day. We can't have our Bibles open before us every second of the day. That's that's not what we're we're speaking of here. Is the general idea that we that we just ruminate on Christ and His Word. That we do have times during the day that that we do look at the Word of God and we do meditate upon it, as the psalmist said. We meditate upon the Word of God day and night, and we will be like trees planted by the streams of water. And as we do this, our minds will transform us body and soul. You know, Paul spends a lot of time, once you get to the book of Romans, um, he speaks about the mind quite a little. Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, they're all written within a few years of one another. And the last, these are kind of the last things uh, Paul was thinking about that the Holy Spirit was directing him to teach us. Our minds need the constant impression of God's Word upon us. That God's Word would be in us. So that we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. That we can be renewed in the Spirit of our mind as Paul writes in Ephesians 4. 
We're molded by Scripture. We're molded by prayer. Molded by worshiping with one another. This is such a wonderful time of fellowship here and of learning about God and growing in Christ when we come together as God's people. There's nothing the world hates more than that. When the truth of the Gospel is proclaimed every Lord's Day, this is the ultimate in our fight against the world. It energizes us to go forth and make disciples of all the nations. And when we get get out of our pews and, and go out into the world, to our jobs, to our families, Deuteronomy 6 instructs us that after this is after pre-given the Ten Commandments, you're just about to go into the Promised Land. You know, this is a, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We are to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, and soul. And then he tells them, this is what that looks like. What does it look like to love God with our heart, mind, and soul? Once again, mind. You teach your children. As you sit down, you teach them when you walk, you teach them when you lie down, you teach them when you rise up. We use our opportunities throughout the day to bless our children and grandchildren with God's Word and His wisdom. And that grows us in the faith as well. It continues our, our transformation, our our mental renewal. And what's the result of our sacrificial transformation? <clears throat> this is ultimately going to uh, help us to test that we may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. But we remember what happened with the Old Testament sacrifices. You know, there's a lot of stinky dead bodies laying around. They would be all offered on the altar for the sinner, presenting the sacrifice for, for their sin, whatever it might be. And they had to have incense to kind of cover the order, and that incense and sacrifice would, would rise up to God. And, and if it was done in faith, God was pleased with that sacrifice. And our good works, as imperfect as they are, are perfumed in Christ's righteousness. So when we go to the altar and we offer our sacrifice of, of, of praise to Christ and, and thankfulness for what He has done for us, it rises up and, and God the Father sees it. He smells it. The fragrance of Christ. The fragrance of life. And He is pleased with his children. As we continually offer ourselves as a sacrifice day in and, and day out, we, we continue in Christ. We continue in the knowledge of his will. It's not we're not going to know the whole mind of Christ. Not even after all eternity. 
We can't know the secret things of God. We read that in in chapter 11, uh, verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? We can't know why certain things, why someone gets cancer, why uh, this happens here, why there was a tsunami, why this happened, or whatever. Those are the deep things of God. But the most important things in life, we can know the will of God. And how do we do that? By practicing our faith. By making ourselves a living sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. And as we work for God in thankfulness according to the power of the Holy Spirit, that's we always have to remember that. If I ever forget to say that uh, you know we we are obedient to our works, and I don't mention the Holy Spirit, I still mean that. That's our only our only hope. But this is this is rewarded by God. That's what we read in in the Heidelberg. This isn't a name it and claim it kind of thing, a prosperity gospel kind of thing, as you guys might know about in, in other parts of uh, the church. This isn't you put a quarter in and you get a, a gumball out. God doesn't look at our good works and say, that was really good. Wish I'd have thought of that. Wish I could have done that. We can't merit God's favor. We can't do something that impresses God. But, out of the richness of His grace, for the love of His children, He blesses us. I mean, which of you, brothers and sisters, your parents, grandparents, doesn't just love to bless your children and grandchildren with hugs and kisses, if that's your thing, with food and sweets, with gifts on special occasions, whatever it might be, and and, and you give them these things. And, and Jesus in a, one parable said, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, right? Because, you know, we're, by nature we're, we're evil. And yet we give good gifts to our children. How much more does God the Father delight in giving us gifts from the riches of His grace? So let's let's remember I mean that's what it boils down to every time is let's remember who Christ is. He gave Himself for us on the altar of the cross, dying for our sins as we could not. The least we can do, I mean the least we can do, is offer up ourselves daily as a spiritual sacrifice, presenting ourselves to Him for His glory. Let's pray.
We praise You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that You've given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Cause us to walk in Your Your Spirit, Lord. May our hearts be thankful at all times, even even in difficulty. And that can be very difficult. Help us in our unbelief, Lord. Help us as we go about our days and, and our hearts grow hard because of because of this world and because of the things around us. Just just continue to pour out your grace on us, please. And cause us to be a, a blessing to one another and to, and to glorify you in all things. We pray this in your sons. Precious and holy name. Amen.